We are going to be in Acts chapter 11 this morning and continue our study to the book of Acts. But before you go there, can you go with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 16? Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we, we want to return and give thanks for the way in which you work in just such incredible ways. We thank you, Lord, for making a way for the gospel to go forward. We thank you for the way in which you prepare hearts to hear the word and that your word does not ever return void accomplishes its purpose, and we praise you for that. I pray, Lord, that you would bless our time in your word this morning. You would teach us that you would mold us more and more into your image and just cause us to find ourselves um, with hearts that are just right in alignment with your perfect will for us. Stir up gifts within us that we might be a blessing to one another and that the gospel may go forward even to the uttermost parts of this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have lots of, of mission trips going on this summer. But throughout the year, there's a lot of things that take place, whether it be Pastor Don going to the Philippines or going to Africa or going to South America or um, other parts of Asia, China, or going to minister in the gospel in, in places like Arizona or Utah or other regions of the world as we just got back from Africa and heading into Myanmar. There's, there's all kinds of opportunities for the gospel to go forward and hearts to, to do it. And, and when you think of different churches, sometimes you would look at a, a church that is doing things like this and think like, Okay, this is, this is like a, a missions church. This is one of those churches that's just, it's, it's, it's defined by a missions church. And um, as wonderful as, as that is, um, I pray that, that, that we would be a church that is a worshiping church. A, a, a church that, that is so clear on the gospel and so clear on our Savior and so clear on who we are as people and what it is that God has done for us that it would stir within our hearts, such a passionate praise and worship towards our Savior that it would fuel everything that we do, whether it be ministering in the children's ministry or youth ministry or young adults ministry or men's ministry or women's ministry or missions or family camp or VBS or as husbands or wives or as parents or friends or co-laborers with one another in the gospel that our view of God would be such that it saturates and permeates every part of our beings and it just fuels us to do all that God calls us to do. You see in, in 1 Chronicles 16 where God's people are praising Him. They break out in, in a song of praise as David is, is singing this, this, this psalm and, and it's, it's amazing just to be able to hear the content of of the song that is sung thousands of years ago to the same Savior in whom we sing on a morning like today. But you, you hear his heart here. If, if we just go halfway through the psalm and you, you go to, to verse 23, it says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim the good news of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He's also to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before Him. 
Strength and gladness are in His place. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. When Reverence Bible Church first started on the very first Sunday, we had our first sermon come from book of Revelation where the text says in chapter 19, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. He is sovereign and He is good and He is perfect in all of His ways. And you hear that within this song that is being sung. Sing to Him. Why? Because He's great and greatly to be praised. Declare His glory among the nations. Go to the nations and say, Behold your God. This is who He is. Go and, and, and say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Tell them who He is. And, and as you see it all through it, it's just give Him the glory that is due His name. Give Him glory and strength. Do this. Make it so all the families of the earth are doing this. We are united together in, in declaring the glories of our Savior to this world, here and even to the uttermost parts of this world. And I pray that that would be that which fuels us in all that we do. If we see God that way, if we see Him as great and greatly to be praised, if we see Him as one who has done all things, if we see Him as one who, who makes the heavens and He loves us and He brings us salvation and He gives us grace that is unending and love that is infinite and He's the one that is accomplishing these things and has accomplished these things for us and made for us, a, 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 us, us the ability to, to, to enter into the joy of the Lord and to behold His glory now and forevermore. I pray that that would just fuel us to do the things that we do. And it wouldn't be simply that we're a missions church. We are a church that worships Him in every area of our lives, and that's what creates the health of a church. And He's worth it. He's worthy of it. And so I wanted to begin with that because we are going to dive right into Acts chapter 11 and see missions taking place in the early church and watch what is occurring. But you could be sure of the fact that as... Missions takes place in the book of Acts. It is fueled by the fact that they adore, they adore their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It changes everything for them. It fuels them in all that they do. And so in Acts chapter 11, if you turn there with me, in verse 19, as we continue our study in the book of Acts, you find that the church begins to to move. And it says in verse 19, now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. And so the church is scattered. Persecution has occurred in Jerusalem to where many of the people have decided, let's move, let's move north or let's move to different regions. And so we find that, that, that this persecution is, is causing a scattering of believers there. Stephen has been put to death. And now 
after him being martyred, they're leaving Jerusalem. They went as far as Phoenicia, which is modern-day Lebanon. They traveled to the island of Cyprus, just below Turkey, and all the way to Antioch. Antioch is, is a pagan city. It, it's an area where it's just a melting pot of people because of all the spice trading that's occurring. And it rose up to be one of the three greatest cities in all of Rome. And so, within the Roman Empire, here's the city that the Lord determined to do a great work through missionaries, even though it was an almost entirely pagan, unreached people group. So up until this point, the Christians had focused on preaching the Word to Jews only. But God was about to do a mighty work in this region. It says in verse 20, but some of them were men from Cyprus in Cyrene who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists preaching the Lord Jesus. And so there's these Christians that come from Cyprus as as well as from the northern part of what is in, in Africa today, the northern part where we modern day Libya. And so here's Christians coming from Cyprus and modern day Libya, and they're coming up into this area of Antioch. And they're coming to bring the gospel to the Greeks. What did they preach? It tells us they preached the Lord Jesus. It was all about Christ, it was all about who he is, what their needs were, and and following Him as their Lord and as their Savior. What did they preach, it tells us? They were preaching the Lord Jesus. It doesn't get any sweeter than that. Here's believers saying, like, let's go from Libya. Let's come up to this other region. Here's this pagan city. Here's a city where people are coming from all over the place. Let's bring the gospel there. Let's bring the gospel to this region. And they're telling people who Christ is. That He's God. That He died on the cross for their sins. That He rose again on the third day. And that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Surely they were taking them through the Old Testament and showing the prophecies that were fulfilled and hearing all of the miracles that Jesus did and the fact that He rose again from the dead and He appeared to the disciples and He appeared to over 500 people at one time and how they know that He has risen from the dead and what's taking place in Jerusalem and what God is doing in the church. And, and, and you find people believing they bring the best message that anybody could ever hear, and that is preaching the Lord Jesus. Specifically that He is Lord. That He is the Lord over their lives. He is their Savior, but He is also to be their Lord. In verse 21, it says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. The hand of the Lord was with them. The success of the missionary journey was not in the brilliance of the technique. It was not in the hearer's ability to listen. It was not in strategy, and it wasn't in having articulate speakers. It was in the fact that the hand of the Lord was with them. What an awesome, awesome portion of Scripture there. To think of missions that takes place. To think of what you saw just now as far as what took place in Uganda. And to think, why did that occur? Why were there all all those people? Why was it that that people had microphones and were able to share the gospel in an area where it could be very difficult to bring the gospel to? It's because the hand of the Lord 
was, was on them. It was with them. We had a change of location and, and a change of, of, of church leaders and pastors that were to come. And we, we, in, in, the, in the second to last day, major changes. And, and all these people came for this pastors and church leaders conference. And to watch what God did to be able to bring this particular group of people there to hear God's Word and to be discipled. And, and they were so eager to learn. Um, we saw over 20 people that were pastors and church leaders that upon hearing the Gospel with clarity, realized that they weren't saved at all. They thought that they were going in, but they realized no, that they were trusting in their works. They weren't trusting in the work of Christ upon the cross. When I asked them, how is it that you can know that you would be saved? If you were to appear before God right now and God were to say, why should I let you into my kingdom? What would you say? And to be able to hear someone just say, like, I would say that I was a good person, that I did good things. And, and have her just continue to, to say these things and, and to be able to say, like, that won't save you. It's not based on whether you're a good person. It's not based on whether you've done good things. It's based upon the fact that Jesus fulfilled all righteousness and He died on the cross for your sins. He took your sins upon Himself. That whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And to bring Him to an understanding of salvation that comes by faith alone in Christ alone to the glory of God alone and to be able to watch their enthusiasm to where other people came up and said, when you said that, I just thought I would have given the same answer that that person gave and I was not saved. And to be able to just take them through and you could just see just God working in an awesome way. But why did that take place? It was because the hand of the Lord was with them. God brought them there at the last minute. God made it so there was clarity in the Gospel. God made it so we hit on the subjects that they needed most because we could have just assumed, hey, they're pastors and church leaders, they're saved, not realizing that, that they didn't understand what the gospel was at all. The hand of the Lord was upon them. All the glory went to the Lord. The believers prayed. Some traveled far. Some stayed behind. Some supported the mission. But as the harvest of believers came, all the glory went to the Lord. A great number believed and turned to the Lord. Look what it says, a great number believed. And what did they do? They turned to the Lord. What a great way to describe our salvation. There's belief, genuine faith in Christ, and then a turning to the Lord for our every need, turning to the Lord for direction, turning to the Lord for submission unto Him and worship in all things, turning away from the world and a turning towards the Lord. They believed and turned to the Lord because the hand of the Lord was with them. May we accomplish things as, as, as saints and watch God work, but give Him all the glory in the end. I mean, to, to think that, that you could win somebody to the Lord in your neighborhood or win somebody to the Lord in your workplace or win somebody to the Lord in your family or win somebody to the Lord in Uganda or Myanmar or wherever it is, it is not about us. It's about God doing the work. And it creates this dependence upon Him. 
God do the work. God prepare hearts. God bring the people there that you want to be there to hear the gospel. God give us clarity in what to say. Help us to minister exactly in the way that they need. And to be able to just stand back and watch God accomplish His purpose because the hand of the Lord is upon it. There's nothing that's too hard for Him. He, he makes it so these things happen. I mean, you, you think of the, the refugee camp that we went to there in northern Uganda. Here you have 350,000 South Sudanese people coming into this particular camp and watching how all of this took place and bringing us to a place of let's minister to these people in this region and watch the hand of the Lord orchestrate every bit of it to bring people to salvation just like he did with you. Amen? Amen. Just like he did in me. The hand of the Lord and the sweetness of his Holy Spirit ministering to our hearts through the clarity of the gospel and saving for himself a people. Go from there and it says, then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. The Christians at the church in Jerusalem heard about what the Lord was doing. Not from a video like we watched this morning. But from the testimonies of the saints that had come from Antioch and who had returned to their home church to bring word of what the Lord was doing through the missionary work in Antioch. Here people are coming and they're seeing this is what God's doing. God's saving people. God's taking this pagan area. It's not people that were Jews that have now understood the, the, the Old Covenant and all the prophecies pointing towards Christ. This is people that, that were pagan. These, these are people that wanted nothing to do with God. They're not of the circumcision. These are people who, who either didn't believe in God or believed in all kinds of idols or whatever it is. And God is bringing these people to salvation. A radical work that's occurring. And so now saints go back to Jerusalem. This is what's occurring in God's people and in God's kingdom. It is an awesome, awesome thing to see the way that the Lord works in different areas. You take an area like northern Uganda that's 98% Muslim. And to think that the Lord could work to bring over 10,000 people together to hear the gospel at one time. To be able to think that the God can work to establish churches and hospitals and schools that are Christian. To be able to, to think that God could bring all these people from South Sudan into a refugee camp and minister to them in such a way that Lord willing, the war will end in South Sudan and these people will go back into their regions and establish solid churches that know doctrine, who understand the gospel and who are just centered upon Christ and Him crucified. God accomplishes these things. And to be able to Tell people, this is what God is doing. This is what's occurring in Peru, or this is what's occurring in China. This is what God's doing in pastors in this other region. And to be able to just watch it occur and to be able to report, this is what the Lord's doing in different parts of the world. And so they see this. Came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And so they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. They sent out this particular man from their congregation to be a blessing to the new believers and the new church established in Antioch. And when he came 
and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. He saw what was taking place when he arrived in Antioch and the new converts and the newly established church. And he says that when he saw what was taking place, he had seen the grace of God. All of it is centered upon what Christ does, what he accomplishes. It's not like we saw just lively speakers or we saw just incredible programs or or we saw just like this the strategy of reaching the lost and we got to duplicate this in jerusalem you don't hear any of that it's just and we saw the grace we we saw the grace of god we saw god save people that were so far from him we saw god save people that had no judeo-christian background at all we saw God save people that just did horrific things before, but now they're coming to salvation and the church is growing. And, and the response is, they saw the grace of God. Barnabas saw the grace of God. That was what came to his mind. It's all grace. All of this is grace. God's saving these people and making these people for himself, and it is all the grace of God. And he was glad. There was incredible joy in Barnabas as he saw what the hand of the Lord was accomplishing in this area. There's so much joy in our Christian faith. We met a man in Uganda that had grown up in this particular region and he was sent off to Saudi Arabia to become an imam. So he's sent from this people because of his knowledge of the Quran, because the giftedness of this man, he's sent up to Saudi Arabia to learn in their schools to study under those Muslim leaders to learn Islam in a way where he is to be a leader within the mosques. And this man went to Saudi Arabia, studied there, learned there, but upon his return, God saved him in the most awesome, awesome way. And here this man stayed with us the entire time that we were there, ate with us, spent time with us. And he had just become a Christian recently. For the sake of protection, they wanted to keep him someplace where he was safe because in a region like that, your life's in jeopardy in becoming a Christian. And when you think of an an imam, they're those that are to be the perfect example of what it is to be faithful to Islam. And they're thought to be those who are free from sinning at all. I mean, the highest of the highest within that particular region and the mosques that are there. And God saves them. And he, he was in the conference with us for the days that we were there. And in the second day, towards the end of the day, we were talking about the joy of the Lord. And, and I said I, I'd been to, to so many different countries. I'd been in areas where there was Buddhist or where there were Hindu or where there were Muslims or in areas where there's, there's Jews. And I, I said, in all these places, going into their houses of worship, I have never, ever seen any of them with joy. They do their prayers. They do their rituals. But I've never seen any of them with joy. And I looked at this man and I said, 
Is that correct? You were in Saudi Arabia. You, you learned under the best. Have you ever been in a place where there was joy at all under Islam? And this older man just said, no, I was never in a place where there was joy. The first time I've ever experienced joy in a house of worship from the day that I was born was in the last two days. Never experienced joy. But to think of joy for us. He sees what's taking place and what happens. He's just glad. He's glad. His heart's filled with joy because he sees the grace of God. He sees that there were people that were just wandering so far from God, haters of God, wanting nothing to do with God, and watching the gospel go forward and the Holy Spirit working in their hearts and bringing these people to salvation to be able to watch what is occurring to where there's genuine faith in Christ and people that are trusting in their Savior and in their Lord and wanting to leave everything for the sake of following Him and the unity that is there within the body and people using their gifts to sharpen one another and to be a blessing to one another and evangelizing and preaching the Gospel and then being in one accord serving together. And it just says that he, he saw this and he was glad. He saw the work that God was doing and he was glad. The grace of God and he was glad. And he encouraged them all that with purpose of heart, they should continue in the Lord. Barnabas, the very name means son of encouragement. That's his gifting. He's an encourager. That's what his main name means. Encourager. He's someone that's going to go and see people and just be an encouragement to them. I could think of people within our body and that is you. You're, just, you're, you're an encourager. You're an encourager to me. You're an encourager to other people. You're there just to point them towards Christ and, and His power and His enabling and His grace and His love. And, and, and you're just, you're an encourager. And, and that's where this man is. He, he, he just comes and the very words of what he does is found in his name. And that is that he is an encouragement to them. The persecution that the church was under was severe. And now he's there to encourage the believers. That with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. That their salvation was to be a steady race of continuing to walk with the Lord with intentional, biblical, heartfelt, faithful lives towards the Lord. They, they were to be resolved to follow the Lord and to continue steadfastly with determined hearts. He wanted to be an encourager to them. What a blessing it is to encourage one another. To be able to, to, to share with one another. I know life's hard, but it's like a vapor. It appears for a little while and it vanishes away. Run the race that's before you. Look, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. He won't let you be tempted beyond what he makes a way of escape. And, and, and he's there and he holds you and he loves you and is there to minister to you, to be an encourager in the greatness of God. What a thing it is to know who our Lord is and to be able to encourage others in Him. Our lives are such that God is working in us. God is changing us. God is... is is 
one in whom we could pray to and he listens and he hears and he can move mountains. There's nothing that's too hard for him. To be able to encourage one another when we feel down and out and, and, and like we can't go on, that's what Barnabas is doing. Be resolved to follow him. Continue steadfastly with purpose of heart. Continue in the Lord. And then he's described in verse 24 is, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. What an awesome way to describe this man. He's a good man. Now we know the only reason why he's good is because he's full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Because there's no, no one good but the Lord. The goodness that they saw in him was a result of Christ in him. And he's someone who is full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. God is just working mightily through him. He's there to be an encourager to them, and he's just he's full, absolutely full of the Holy Spirit and his faith in Christ. And the result, a great many people were added to the Lord. And may that be what describes us. Full of faith. Holy Spirit indwelling us and, and, and working in us and through us. That was Barnabas. And so Barnabas departs for Tarsus to seek Saul. Barnabas knows that he needs help in ministering to the church. And the Lord places upon his heart Saul, who we know became Paul, the apostle. Paul is there in Tarsus, and, and as Barnabas is, is going about ministering to this church, is just, I need help. I need someone to co-labor with me. Who is gifted in a way to teach in a way that maybe I'm not the most gifted in doing? And so he says, Saul. Saul of Tarsus, he's there. God's worked mightily in, in his life. And so Barnabas departs to, for Tarsus to seek Saul and travels from that area to what is now modern-day Turkey to look for Saul, and he finds him. Verse 26, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. They go together, and for a year, they teach the people. Notice what occurs within the church. Teaching occurs within the church. They come together, and they meet regularly for a year, and what's taking place is just preaching and teaching and encouraging from God's Word. There's people that are there, and they're listening, and they're growing, and they're learning more about who God is and who man is and how it is that they've been saved and what the church ought to look like and how we can be free from sin and, and, and changed and, and, and battle sin and spiritual warfare and what angels are like and what demons are like and what heaven is going to look like and, and, and our hope of, 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 of how it will be for all eternity. And, and they're just teaching these people. They're teaching for a year on a regular basis, there within the church, the people are growing in an awesome way. And I pray that that would be what takes place here all the time. That there would be teaching in such a way that I'm growing, that you're growing, that all of us are growing to a place where 
It radically impacts our lives. I'll tell you, the more that you know about God, the more you understand His Word, the more you will love Him and the more you will worship Him and the more that will fuel everything that you do. And that is why there's such an emphasis on the preaching of the Word here at Reverence Bible Church. And I praise God for that. That's what they're doing. The whole year they're assembled with the church and they taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. We know from church history that about four or five generations after this, Antioch grew to where it was said there was approximately 100,000 believers in that city. 100,000 believers in that city. People that got saved and their children got saved and their grandchildren got saved and it grew. The church grew to a place where there was over 100,000 believers there in that city. The grace of the Lord was truly upon that city. And it tells us that for the first time, the disciples were called Christians in Antioch. As we look at, at God's word, we find that up until this point, they've been called disciples, they've been called witnesses, they've been called holy ones, they've been called saints or believers or brothers, but now they're called Christians. The word Christians means those who are Christ's ones, those who desire to follow and to live like Christ. And I pray that we'd be known as those who desire to live like Christ. Christians. For the first time in Antioch, the church is known as Christians. Those that desire to live like Christ. To forgive like Him. To show grace like Him. To love like Him. To point people to our Lord and Savior, like he did. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus was always pointing people towards that which they ought to be pointing towards, which was himself. Always pointing people towards the cross. And here, these people are known as they are those that desire to live like Christ. And they did. And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem, verse 27, to Antioch. And then one of them named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. And then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And so we see this awesome, awesome work take place. Here a prophet comes and says, this is what's going to take place. There's going to be a famine, a great famine throughout this world, throughout this land. And there was. What do the Christians do? Here these ones that were once Gentiles, these ones who were once pagans, are now saying, we are Christians now. Our identity is in Christ. And there are Christians that are in Judea and they are in need. And so every one of them, gave according to their abilities, saying, I have extra. I want to give towards this. And so they take a collection from the saints that are there in Antioch and say, Barnabas and Saul, can you guys go and take this to the saints that are there in Judea? What must it have been like for those saints to receive it? 
Here's those that are, were, were in Judea, those that were Jews that have now become Christians. And they, they hear of, of these pagans and these, these ones that are of the uncircumcision, and they're, they're the ones that have now gotten saved. And here these people are, prophets come, said there's going to be a famine. They take a collection, send it to Judea, and now the Christians there are being blessed in incredible ways as they're being provided for. And there's love that is occurring. All of them are like, I'll have extra, I'll give towards it. And they're ministering to the needs of others. May that be us. May that be the way in which we think as far as the unity, the unity that is for us as Christians. I've seen famine in, in just terrible ways in South Sudan during their, their great famine in, in 1998 and 1999. Um, and I saw so many within the church that was just like, let UNICEF handle that. Let the government handle that. To think that the government never, ever brings anything in the name of Christ. And then to watch saints say, we'll help. I, I, I can't even tell you the tens of thousands of people that heard the gospel as we brought food and medicine, immunizations, doctors, trained pastors, and worked in those regions during that famine. God was glorified in an incredible way as we were just learning to think biblically and work in such a way like the Christians did here. I pray that this would just shape us. The way in which we view God, the way in which we worship Him makes us not hold tightly to the stuff of this world. The way in which we view God, the way in which we understand Him makes it so that we are not at odds with anybody, with any believers. Wherever they're from, whatever they've done, we're at a place of, no, there's unity there because we are covered by the blood of Christ. May, may we be those that see people like that to where there's just this genuine love of we want to care for these people. And I pray that that worship, that view of God would just fuel us in everything that we do. Amen? Let's pray and we'll worship and then I'm going to have those that are heading off to Myanmar come up and we'll, we'll pray for them as we close our service this morning. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you did in this, this early church and the way in which you just worked so mightily in their lives, Lord. May this be just a great example to us. May we have hearts that are like that. May, may we see what your hand is able to do and what the grace of God looks like as you just bring harvest within the church and, and may give us just such great boldness to take whatever frail abilities that we have and to know that lord that you can work through them and you do and you have and you continue to do throughout redemptive history we praise you for that i pray that you would bless our time in song i, pr I pray that the worship of your saints here at reverence bible church would just be a clear reflection of those who have been saved by the precious blood of christ sins have been washed away and the result is just we belong to you we are christ ones we are Christians and every bit of our affection in our lives are consecrated unto you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.